Hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had the amazing opportunity to speak with Taro over Zoom video. Taro has such a cool story. She's one of the very, very few independent music artists who are selling their songs as NFTs. So if you have any interest in NFTs or buying or selling, selling your own music, this is the episode for you. It is so interesting. Jordan was born and raised in Thousand Oaks. She now lives in Nashville, went to college out here in Nashville, and is making a killing on her songs independently via nfts so she talks about how she sells these the community she's built online through crypto crowdfunding she's releasing her record via nfts it's just such a fascinating conversation if you're interested in nfts if you're an artist trying to make money you could sell your songs as nfts tarot knows what's going on with that stuff you can watch our interview on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be awesome if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Taro. Hey. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Sorry, I just had to go turn off the TV real quick. No, it's all good. You're going on for the cat. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are Hi. you? I'm doing great. You know, Monday morning, let's get it. Well, afternoon, I guess, but. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, are you, you said, you, are you in Nashville? Is that what I read? I am. Where are you based? Nashville as well. No way. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm south. I'm south of Nashville. I, I'm not sure if you're actually right. in the city. I'm not. Where, uh, where are you? Williamson County. Oh, yeah. No, I'm familiar. Cool. Awesome. Well, I'm Adam, and this is about you and your music career, and I want to learn all about the NFTs and all that stuff you have going on. Got all the tea. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Um, so I guess first off, are you born and raised in Nashville? I'm not. I'm actually from um, just north of LA, city called Thousand Oaks. If you're from oh, LA. I know. I'm from yeah. I'm from Southern California as well. My wife yeah. was born in Thousand Oaks. <laughs> what? That's so, yeah, yeah. what a coincidence. Yeah, I've lived in Nashville for the past six years. Um, okay. Came out here for school. I went to Belmont University. Okay, right on. Uh, 2019, studied songwriting, music business, and just here, chilling, doing my thing. But Right on. That's amazing. So uh, Thousand Oaks, beautiful area. Uh, so how do you get into music? Um, I mean, I guess it was just really from a young age. I was just like, my family just recognized I was very musically inclined, loved to sing, um, loved to perform, played piano, you know, very like typical joined the school choir, nothing crazy, not like any crazy family backgrounds in the industry. So a lot of people always ask like, why would you move away from LA if you're trying to pursue a career in music? And it was just, I didn't really know anything until I moved to Nashville because that was kind of my way to break into the industry, you know, and like mm -hmm. do my thing. And so I've learned so much being in Nashville. Um, 
yeah, that's kind of how like music started for me. It's just always been kind of my thing. I just, I'm super passionate about creating music. And when I moved to Nashville, I really developed my passion for writing. And um, over the past year and a half, I've really developed my passion for producing. So it's just continuously mm -hmm. evolving. And um, I'm super blessed to have Amazing. something like that. Yeah. Sure. So what was the first instrument you learned? Piano. Okay. And how, I, I don't know if you said that. I can remember if you said the age. How old are you at piano? I was three. I actually wow, that's was really like, young. Yeah, no, it was just that thing. I, I guess when I was super young, my parents just noticed I loved music and they put me in this music class and it was just the rest is history. Okay. And um, yeah, I was, I was classically trained for like 10 years. Um, but then I just like stopped when my parents got divorced and then, you know, move on. And then, but I, I still love piano. I'm just not as good as I could be if I still okay <laughs> but do you can you still play I'm sure yeah, you can, absolutely. Right? yeah okay yeah. yeah okay cool and then <laughs> yeah so when do you start songwriting when do you fall in love with that um I actually wrote my first song when I was six years old it's super cheesy wow I, I was it didn't even realize I was really doing that I was just outside with my dad and he would just like mess around on the guitar and we wrote a song called happy family forever <laughs> Oh, and that's cool. It was, yeah, no, like it, it's it's stuck around, so it, it still exists. Every time I see him, he's like, "Can we play it?" Oh, <laughs> but, really? Okay, yeah, so he, yeah. He can, I just he can play. What does he play an instrument then? Yeah, he plays guitar, and it's always just been like a hobby for him. But like recently, he's been getting more into it because I was just in LA actually like a month ago and got asked to play this um, Web three showcase, music showcase, like randomly, mm -hmm. and I was like, "Ah, I need like a player," and so I was like, "Dad, do you want to?" And, it was super sweet. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we did a little stripped down set and we played Happily Family Forever. So, you know. Oh, that's amazing. That. Wow. Yeah. So I did that. the test of time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I didn't even know, though, that like songwriting was songwriting, if that makes sense. Like I just had a journal growing up and I would write lyrics and sing and poems and I just loved it. But um you if you're not told like songwriting is a thing then you just kind of assume like the artists you hear on the radio like they write their songs or you right. don't really think about it. And, and yeah and so then when it came to like oh what am i going to do for college i saw belmont offered the songwriting program and that really interested me and i was like hmm, what a cool way to approach the industry instead of just being like i'm a singer you know mm -hmm. and um that's really how it developed i had to like write a couple songs to get into the um, songwriting program, I moved to Nashville and, you know, just the rest is history, just okay. kept writing and meeting up with people and collaborating and um, just learning, I guess, like my way, like paving my sound through the years of just like writing and having before, you, before you got into to, to Belmont, were you writing and showing people your songs? Like, how did you know that you're good at it? Like, how, mean, how did that How'd you get confidence? I would write songs. I guess like my family would just like be like, oh yeah, like you should be like, you would be a great songwriter. And I'd be like, oh, okay, like sure. Which is hilarious. Cause when I listened to the song that I submitted to get into Belmont, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, like, really? <laughs> but not, not like that bad, but you know what I mean? It's just like, you see the improvement, which is a good thing. But um, I think that songwriting is something that is like, you can't really teach it. It's innately mm -hmm. like within you. It's more of, um, peeling back the layers and discovering your voice and what, how you can really tell a story, you know, mm -hmm. through words, through music. And um, I think it's super fun 
just to begin with. Like I could write songs all day long and be happy. But um, yeah. Were you like writing and performing out in Thousand Oaks at all? Or was it something you kind of kept yourself? I mean, everyone in my community knew I was like a singer. I would do the talent shows. I was like in choir. And I, I had like the confidence to like, audition for the solo or like put myself mm -hmm. out there kind of a thing like i think it was just how i was raised um but songwriting wise didn't like realistically looking back didn't show anyone any of the songs oh, that wow. I was mm -hmm. and then you submitted two to go to college you, you said you didn't like you know mm -hmm. at least you have yeah. one of them you didn't like and yeah, what, I mean, what was that process like? Did you just recorded it at your house? Did you pay somebody like, did you go in a studio and then you send them to them? And then how did that work? So this was my first studio experience. Actually, I had a friend who had a mom who <laughs> duh, had a mom <laughs> <laughs> um, who had a friend who um, was this retired musician, uh, lived out in Ojai, California. Oh, sure. Um, Mick Fleetwood's property, actually. Which no is way. So That's crazy. crazy. That is um, crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, a lot of musicians cool. live out in Ohio. Yeah. I, I don't blame them. It's chill. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but I went over there and paid him to do these two demos. And it was my first experience. And I'll never forget it. I remember like having a full day in the studio, did not go to the bathroom once, did not eat, didn't think about it, having like the time of my life. And I'm like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And so moving to Nashville and then being immersed into that kind of world, it just feels like home, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So you get to Belmar and then you're just what taking classes on songwriting, building that and yeah. what going to sessions and going to like what the writer's rounds and stuff like that. Are you doing any of that? Yeah, I, I did a couple writer's rounds. I it, it was primarily more like the country singer songwriter artists that were going out doing the writer's rounds. I found that like at Belmont, you kind of figure out your scene that you want to kind of enter and like really involve yourself in and it's good to like be part of like everything and go to all the shows but i was making like or i do make more like indie pop alternative r&b mm -hmm. kind of stuff and that um is actually super common at belmont it, it people kind of assume that it's going to be mostly the country um the you know singer songwriter vibe but mm -hmm. i guess music row nashville is historically known for that side of the business, you know, and then you see this underground scene of unheard talent. And so it's just really inspiring to, I guess, collaborate with certain peers and then get outside of that Belmont bubble and start, you know, branching out to musicians that are just in the city and um, different producers, you know, sessions, writing for, I, I've done some writing for other people, but mm -hmm. usually, honestly, like I have primarily written like as, you know, you pick like your role in the room. You're like, oh, right. who are you writing for today, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I've like, yeah, I have that experience under my belt just by being here for the past, okay. you know, so. Yeah. That's interesting because when I moved here, I thought it was a country town also. I'm not hip to a lot of country, yeah. but um, when I got here, I'm like, oh, people are like, oh, that's a country town. Not really. Not I mean, really. there's people from, I mean, all walks of the industry here. Um, a lot of people that I would never have guessed lived in Nashville or Franklin or, you know, wherever about around here that are writing like pop punk or you know, like old yeah. rock bands or, you know, just not country, which is so interesting. And so many huge songwriters are here writing the biggest songs on the radio that you'll hear. 
Oh, absolutely. I feel like um, productions like in LA and then the writings in Nashville, you know, mm-hmm. like the artists are coming out here and being like, what, what are the songs, you know? That yeah. The songs cry. are here. <laughs> exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. There's something here. Um, so how do you then uh, tell me about this NFT thing? Cause I've only heard one thing about songs as NFTs. And it was when I interviewed rain from the band, our lady peace, and they did their whole record and they were doing NFTs with the songs. And from what I got, this is just what I'm going to say about it. Cause this is all I know. Uh, you could invest in a song on their record. And if it did something, so say you invested in track three Mm-hmm. And then that song becomes a hit and then it's gets on the radio and it's getting, you know, it's making money outside mm-hmm. of record sales. You could benefit from that based on the percentage of that song that you own. So that's what I know. And that's what I gathered from my conversation with him. Other than that, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand why people are spending money on digital art. Like none of it. I uh, yeah. I would, I really need to know all about this. Cause my son, yeah was all like telling me I should buy all this stuff. He's like, well, I'm going to invest in it. I'm like, who's going to buy a digital image? It it didn't make sense. I mean, I understand it, but I also didn't understand it. So please explain. Oh my gosh. I had that same outlook as well. I didn't know what an NFT was until December of 2021. So pretty recently. And I was just like annoyed that I kept seeing stuff about it and not knowing what it was. So I just looked Mm -hmm. it up, started to learn. And then, so when I first looked up like, NFTs, I was learning about the PFP projects, like the JPEGs and like the animation mm-hmm. cartoons. Right, so, right. Okay, like what? But then something clicked in my head as a music artist. I was like, is there now a way for me to utilize this space to build um, an infrastructure for me to, uh, you know, propel my career and like fund mm-hmm. the things that I want to do that I feel limited to because I don't have the finances. Sure. Um, and so I started to think um, about different art that I could, you know, start pairing with my music. Like my first idea was to do like tarot cards and have a song that paired with each tarot card. And then as I started to like get into that world, I realized how extensive something like a PFP project would be. I'm like, all right, I'm seeing things about music NFTs. That sounds like something I can do easily, low risk. Like I make songs every day anyways, why Mm -hmm. not? just try. So um, like a week before February, I had done like so much research in the space and learning about smart contracts and just all the terminology, because it's very confusing when you just look at it and you can say like, why would someone invest in something? Right. Yeah. That's what I don't invest, quite get. Right. And so what I really learned um, is that it's so much more than just that piece of art, that song, that JPEG, it's more about like the blockchain and the technology and the um, future of how that's going to kind of integrate into society. And so I was viewing it as kind of like, you know, like before the internet was a thing, gaining mm-hmm. in early and starting to think of ways to use that in your respected industry to um, kind of shift the way that things are moving because the music industry right now is pretty stale. And um, th- there's not much room on how you can be creative and like popping off your career. It's really this model of, post three times a day on TikTok, make a trend, right. like da, 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 da. And like, no hate, hold a respect to the people that are killing it in those uh, areas because that's a grind, but it's not mm-hmm. for everyone. And record labels aren't going to pay attention to you unless you have those numbers already. And um, there's so many talented people that I am in 
contact with in the city, you know? So it's like all my friends are creatives and producers, writers, and they're just getting burnt out because mm-hmm. they're not necessarily content creators. I'm not a content creator. I love to make music. I still think as an independent artist, it's a job and you have to do things you don't like to do, but there's a way to do things that aren't just what society says you have to do. And so that's where the NFT hype kind of started for me. And what I learned was essentially, if I'm able to create my own smart contract that lives on the blockchain, I now have full control and um, creative control, ownership of this project. And I can take it with me anywhere. So that's what I did. I went and used this no-code site called Manifold.xyz. So any artists who are interested, uh, you know, I always recommend starting there because the number one thing that I think a lot of artists get really excited about, like the money hype or whatever about mm-hmm. NFTs, they are making the same mistakes as if they were in Web 2, right? Like, oh, this crazy deal, I'm going to sign it, but it doesn't read the fine print, you know? And so I think it's super important to treat it similarly. But um, anyways, that's just a little tidbit. So made the contract. And oh, I no, saying, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, Keep going. I um, think I want to put out a song every single day for the month of February as an NFT and like just teach myself, like fully immerse myself for the next 28 days of February in web three, in the community, learn how to mint all that stuff. And, um, that's what I did. So I made a song every day, uh, produced it, wrote it, mixed it. And I did it all on my own. Um, there was a couple songs that my roommate, um, also like co-produced on Tate Gardner and he's uh, one of my usual collaborators, but, um, Yeah. At the end of the day, like I wanted to keep it simple because I didn't want to have to deal with that equity and the splits and like the mm-hmm. publishing questions that were in the air because I didn't know anything. And um, yeah, so I did that. And essentially these songs that I was listing, I did as one-on-ones. So each day was a new one-on-one song that I put up. And essentially the story behind the project is like, this is just like, a song diary like I'm just this is the most inner world of me as an artist like I'm writing just at like a flow state and it's my introduction to the community to really bring in those fans and people who resonate with the music and who I am as a person so that I could you know go after all the other goals that I have with my music mm-hmm. that I came in with right so it was like wasn't like this is my big project of the year it was like this is my hey project but it's sounding like the or starting the foundation of what i call the soul tribe and that is essentially getting rid of that middleman because now those fans are the investors as well and they have this role now in the progression of my career and like last night i just shared a soundcloud link of all the raw demos off the album that's coming out this summer with those collectors and Um, They get to help make decisions such as like, which one gets a music video, which one should be a single, like acting as that A&R board, right? And um, it could be expanded into so many other things in the space, which is what I've been learning. And so like after doing that for a month, I did a music video drop on Glass XYZ, which is a music video or just a video NFT platform in the space and experimented with minting editions. And I know this probably all sounds crazy like no no it's making sense wait sorry real quick on a question here 
Yeah. So what'd you say about this? So there's different platform because I'm like totally yeah. don't have a clue. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to pretend like I can get like down to the details with you because I really I'm just trying to because uh, this is also fascinating. I think people yeah. will, will be fascinated by this, especially since it's actually lucrative to you. Correct. I mean, you've made money off of this. And so back up real quick. Okay. So you have this idea. You're like, I'm going to turn these songs into NFTs. Mm -hmm. So you then put these songs up on said, what, like, where do you go to publish these songs? Okay. Yeah. Let's start with that that piece. (laughs) Yes. No, please ask me all the questions. I can go off on tangents millions. No, I love this. (laughs) Um, So there are, multiple platforms marketplaces i guess you could say yeah um for music specifically um there's catalog there's sound um you know there's open you can put a music nft anywhere really. yeah open is the one I've, I've heard of i think that's probably the big one right yes but here's the thing so i mentioned smart contracts earlier with open when it's easy for you to go post an nft right anyone can go do that but once you are uploading or minting an NFT on OpenSea, you're minting it on the OpenSea smart contract. So essentially, say 10 years down the road, OpenSea just disappears. So does your NFT. So does the value that you were setting up. So it's so important oh. for artists who are trying to build their own business, essentially, to mm-hmm. have their own marketplace. And so as a musician, I saw that there was certain popular marketplaces that were catering to music nfts but they were all submission based like kind of that same gatekeeper mentality of mm-hmm. web 2 right and so i didn't want to wait around to get accepted onto the music nft platforms for me to put out a music nft so i made my own smart contract brought it over to zora.co and i chose zora as the marketplace because they're more of a protocol if that mm-hmm. if you know what that is, and so it's mm-hmm. like a pro. It's like the on the development side. I had to learn all this like recently too. <laughs> like I might not be explaining it correctly, but basically, it's just it's taking all the politics out of it. It's like this is for the public to utilize, and so I listed my collection on Zora, and they don't take a percentage of any of my sales. I get everything, but with that, I have to pay my full gas fees. So each day of minting the NFTs that month cost me around like 70 to $150 a day, depending on the time I was minting. And so there's, you know, but like, to me, it's like an investment in myself. It's the same as if I'm investing in like Facebook ads or I'm investing in a photo shoot for mm-hmm. promotion. It's, um, it's going to come back to you because you're setting your prices at, a price that will return the rate. And so I was able to keep going throughout the month and mint those because of the sales I would make in the month. You know what so I mean? So minting those, let, let, let me go to that term real quick. Yeah. So that is what, how frequently people are going to see it. Like how, what is that doing for you? And why would you be spending 70 to hundred bucks on it per day? Yeah. Well, so minting it is just getting it on the blockchain. It's honestly the con of, Web three. Okay, so it's on the blockchain, but how are people then finding you and finding that song and then buying it? That's up to you, honestly. Okay. It's the same thing as like you go to school for songwriting, like you're not gonna be the most uh, successful songwriter. Got you got you. to go out there and do it yourself. So Understood. it's really an opportunity, I think, for artists because it's so brand new. I like to compare it to like the start of TikTok, YouTube. Sure. 
if you're a creator and you're tapping in early, like you're there's less, pe- there's less saturation right now because Absolutely. you, you can get in there early. There's not a, it's not now. Like if I, if you started a TikTok today, I mean, the, there's yeah. already people that have hundreds of millions of followers and to catch up with them is probably hard or something to none. And the cool thing about it too, that just differs the community from anything I've ever experienced is just how supportive and open it really is. And mm-hmm. um, it's just a change of pace, I think, in the music industry specifically, a lot of that gatekeeping mentality that like, I'm too cool for school, like you can't reach me once I reach this level of success. Like, it's really like the Wild West. We're all out here at whatever levels of our life, whatever age, like, just pursuing our passions into Mm -hmm. very unique projects. Like what I'm doing in the space as a musician, why would I keep that all to myself? Like you wouldn't, as a musician who wants to do something in the space could not do what I'm doing because this project is specific to me and I can't do what you're doing, but it's now removing that single player mode and going to multiplayer mode, realizing that, there's value and growth in the community and who you're connecting with. And for the first time ever, I've really like connected with other artists and musicians in a way that I feel is difficult to accomplish in our social media age life. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's been super inspiring in that way. And to be an independent artist, just like being able to be seen and heard by these people, it's like, you're now, at least for me, my goal is quality over quantity because the quantity will come naturally. If you start mm-hmm. with like setting out that intention to build a foundation for yourself as an independent artist, like not just I need this money right now to like pay for this music video and then I'm like hoping for the next thing. Like, how do I make it into a community that could thrive that's more than just me as an artist popping off, but like me giving value and bringing all that experience into this community as well and growing together. And all of this is like also an idea, right? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. I'm trying to set out to do something like this and uh, nothing ever goes to plan exactly how you think it, but there's this new opportunity now that um, for independent artists specifically, I think web three, you'll never find an opportunity like this again. It's kind of like SoundCloud when it first started, you know, you have mm-hmm. this, just chance to really like stand out as an artist. You don't have to be the coolest looking person on Instagram. You don't have to have a million followers on TikTok for someone to listen to your music. You just have to be a good person, have a good story, have a good um, intention behind Mm -hmm. what you're doing. And the rest just kind of attracts to you. And it's a grind for sure, because it's like nonstop web threes, but You, you get used to it just like any other kind of work, I guess. I don't sure. Know. No, sure. Yeah. Like, but so then people are what they're, they're not, cause they're, they're just what buying a percentage of the songs that you're putting out. Like, yeah, so okay, how does sure. somebody's going to invest money in you? Like, what is their, yeah. Uh, like there, it's not like a Patreon. Like they're not yeah. just paying you to like well, have access to your content. Are they? It could be. So here's the thing. When you're selling a song as an NFT, you're not selling away the rights. You're selling it as a vinyl collectible. Think of it like a vinyl piece. Like, I love the Rolling Stones and I got this exclusive like box set, like something like that, but on the digital side. So Mm -hmm. 
now it's like, how do you entice people to buy it if you're a nobody, right? Like, oh, like buy my like exclusive NFT. Like if they're not already listening to you as an artist, now you build utility. And so what you were saying earlier about that, once you buy this NFT, now you get a percentage of the royalty cuts or Mm -hmm. it it could be anything. It could be that, or it could be um, as small as just like, now you're a part of like this uh, private discord channel. And now you get access to um, like exclusive merch drops or um, yeah, it's really, it's sky's the limit. You can, that makes sense. Okay. Mm -hmm. But as an independent artist, you just have to keep pushing yourself and pushing like what you're doing to get people in, in interested. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot, but I mean, it's cool. It's definitely a new space, right? You're not in like an oversaturated area and there obviously are people going there to like discover, are people discovering new artists through this as well? I mean, obviously. Uh Uh-huh. And I just expect it to really continue to grow. I feel like Every single day since I've entered the space, I am meeting someone new that is of value to me or I'm valued to them in some way. And then it connects in some way. And it's just crazy because now you're connecting with people all around the world. It's like this Mm -hmm. global industry of um, creatives and innovators. Like if you think about it, music meets tech. It's like a revolution. Things really start shifting in a positive way. And so now because we're in this early stage of figuring things out, like what is this? What does it mean? Where is it going to go? Um, I think it's really important for people involved in this space to have um, to be involved and like really learn about what's going on and be like that pioneer to lead it in the right direction. Because just like anything, anyone can come in and take over and do what they want to do. But Mm -hmm. right now I see such a strong morale that I've just never seen before that goes beyond business, goes beyond the money. It's about raising like the collective consciousness and being a better society and doing what you love to do and not like slaving away at a nine to five. And um, it's really dope. Like I'm seeing people in like their later years of life uh, quitting their jobs finally and making art, doing woodwork, like you find your niche and then you Mm -hmm. find a community and it works and you can really take it to whatever level you want. And some people just want to be Web3 artists and make some money and live their life. Me, I want to use Web3, utilize the tools to propel and build my career um, as a music artist in Web2 too, you know? So it's now finding a way to build my own personal model of connecting with these investors and collectors and um, building that fan base that is more of like an intimate relationship than mm-hmm. just, um, you know, putting all my energy into outputting the singles, outputting the TikToks and getting all the followers. Because how many of those people are actually buying your merch? How many of those people are going to your shows? You can't right. track it. But now with the blockchain, you can track it. Like every wallet address, like, you know, who say I, I have a tour and I sell NFTs as my tickets. Now I know who every single person that came to my um, show, I have their wallet address. Um, I can send them free shit. I could do cool things for my community. You know, it's like the more it grows, the more I can give back. And that's that's really the message. Yeah. I mean, that what you're doing makes so much more sense to me than like the actual imagery NFTs, because when it comes to that, like my son was like, these monkeys are really popping up. And I'm like, Okay, so you're going to buy this monkey and 
the person selling it to you is like a known seller on on the on the blockchain or whatever. So their their stuff is like on the main page, and then you're gonna buy and you're gonna own one. And you're gonna be sitting back here with a billion people in front of you. Why is if you spent a hundred bucks on this image, who's gonna go find you owning it back here to pay for it? That's a good the, question. Yeah, and no, I don't know I, how that works. No, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't make that much sense to me either. That's why I kind of strayed away from the PFB idea when I first started learning about it. And I was like, this is a little too complicated. Like it feels like really exciting right now, but I don't know how long lasting that model is. But for music, I'm just like all in. I'm super bullish, as they say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know? this is great. This is, yeah. Cause like I said, with the, with the images, I'm like, well, okay, I can buy an image off somebody that's a known seller for a hundred bucks. And then now I want to try to sell it for 120 bucks, but no one's going to find it because I don't have any like presence in the market. And a lot of that is like just luck too. And that's just what it, the market kind of is. It's if you're a really big crypto whale, I think you're very tapped into everything and you right no more. But if you're just like us who are just trying to like, figure it out and try something yeah. out like it really is confusing and so that's where a lot of hesitation comes in because there's no guidebook and it's a risk it's all like yeah to me that i mean from what he how he was explaining it to me it just seems like i'm like there's no yeah <laughs> to me it was like there, that's just you might as well take 100 bucks and just burn it because the, the the i don't know likelihood of selling something or becoming some rare thing that nobody else cares about Anyway, that's just exactly. my change on that. But then if you think of it from a music standpoint, say someone buys one of my NFTs right now, right? One of my, from my um, marathon, the one-on-ones, mm -hmm. those like literally will be nowhere else except for right there. Like for the right. rest of my life, like I will be doing music and releasing all that, but that was a specific special project. So then sure. they, it's like, something they can listen to and there's some physicality to it in a sense that they can hear the song and, and have ownership of the song where if it's just an image, like, I guess you could post it on your Twitter or something. I mean, I don't know. But with this, it's like long-term value. Think about it. If like Drake was starting out, right. And put out an NFT and then five years later, he's blowing up. It's Drake. And you were one of the holders of him when you first found him. Now it's uh -huh. like really cool for that fan and collector because they're like, wow, I was a curator. I found this guy and now I can flip this NFT five years later and make a shit ton of money. Yeah. And yeah. Cause now it's like, I can sell this exclusive song but that has literally made it happen for Drake to even be Drake because you invested for him in his early career to even blow up. Right. So it's like, that also is like you, it's a trust thing. It's like, you, you just kind of make those decisions on your own. Like you can't mm -hmm. really like um, convince someone like this is worth this much right now. Like it's just up to you as the buyer yeah. that resonate with it. Then like, holy shit, like that's cool. Or like a guitar, right? You buy a guitar in the seventies, hold on to it and you can sell it for tenfold. Like that's right. how I'm viewing um, my movement in the space. Really. It's mm -hmm. like, this is me as an independent artist. Let's build a community and let's like make all these dreams come to life. Like let's do the videos. Let's do the documentary. Let's do the short film. Now we have the resources to do that. And um, being in Nashville, being in the music industry and learning, I, I know what that means. Like when it comes to the marketing and that side, I just never had the resources or the ability. And so now I see an opportunity to kind of build that 
from the ground up. And um, now I'm just like, I hope this can inspire other artists to realize that they have more control over their careers than they think. Because mm -hmm. I've definitely been in that place as well, feeling like, well, like to be an artist and like live the dream means I have to work like three to five side jobs so I can make my songs and maybe one day yeah. Off, you know, sure. But now it's like I have more control. I'm in the driver's seat. I'm the CEO of my music. No one's giving me that green light, but myself and the people that believe in what I'm trying to do authentically will be the ones a part of that versus the middlemen who don't have any part in the process taking a huge pie of what you are doing. So I love that. I love that. Well, that's what you're doing is so cool. And I'm, I'm this. I know like in five years, I'm going to come back. Somebody will find this and be like, oh my gosh, like she knew what she was doing. That's why she's a millionaire, billionaire, whatever. <laughs> and so, so all my collectors, you know, right, all right. as well. <laughs> That's so rad. Well, I appreciate your time today. This has been so cool. Like, oh, thank yeah. you, Jordan. I do have one more quick question. I guess now that if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah. I mean, my advice is like, just put it out. Like, just try. Like, I feel like even in the Web3 space, I've been having this thought in like conversation over the past week, actually, with people who just have so many opinions on how people move and how people decide to go about their careers. Like, as long as you're intentional behind what your vision is and what you want to put out in the world, like, no one can tell you otherwise. Let it speak for itself. Um, and just keep doing it, you know? It's really like, it's like going to the gym, putting in those reps. I really learned a lot from doing the music marathon alone by having to show up and push myself to create in ways that sometimes are uncomfortable for creatives to create. And um, you'll find your place, you'll find your community. Just like, don't give up. People give up way too soon. <laughs>